So I want to continue in the series, The Secret to a Blessed Life. The Secret to a Blessed Life. I shared with you that God has anointed you for business. That the anointing that rests upon a person as a pastor or as an apostle, that in the same way God anoints people in the marketplace. Because He cannot just anoint pastors and apostles and prophets, teachers, because that would make Him a respecter of person. So God anoints you and gives you gifts and abilities so that you can fulfill your God-given assignment here on earth. So turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 31. Many of you believe that God has called you to be a financial channel, to bless the kingdom of God. So if those finances are going to come to you, you must make sure that they come to you in the right way. It's not just going out and getting money. If you get money in the wrong way, it can affect you negatively. Remember, there's only one thing that can cause separation between you and God. And it's man's problem all generations. It's called sin. Sin is the only thing that can cause separation between you and God. So what the enemy would want to do with you in the marketplace, he would try to bring traps to you to see how he can link himself to you. So never be so desperate for money or for anything in your life. That you don't look at what is the source, where it's coming from. Remember Jesus when he was tempted? He was hungry. What did the devil tempt him with? Bread. There's two lessons to be learned from this. If Jesus couldn't be tempted, this teaches us it doesn't matter how close you are to God, you can still be tempted. The difference was, although Jesus was hungry and he was tempted with bread, he said, I might be hungry, but I'm not desperate. So you might be going through a financial channel, but never be desperate. Some of you single people have to confess and say, I might be single, but I'm not desperate. So I want to continue with the secret to a blessed life. I want to minister maintaining the anointing for business. Because it's not how you start, but it's how you end. To be in a position to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive a gift, is one thing. But to maintain it, is something completely different. You know, to get married, you are very happy on that day and very excited. But you know why I'm more excited today? is because we've been maintaining that love. You know what? Before we got married, I was praying for a wife. And you know what? After I got married, I find myself now praying more. Not for her, for me. Let me give you some good advice, gentlemen. If you want your marriage to get better, don't try and change her. You change. So when it comes to finances, we can so easily twist things. One of the things the Lord has told us in this church, has spoken to me, never manipulate my people when it comes to money. Because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not about money, but it's about the salvation of people's souls. But to get people saved, we need finances. Amen? To have a crusade, you need finances. To appoint a pastor, we have to pay him something. Amen? You're not going to work in your job, give your very best, and at the end of the day your boss just says, Oh, bless you, my brother. We're so grateful for the Lord for you. Such a good guy. I know I'll be receiving a phone call from you to come and see me. Pastor, I have to see you immediately. You won't believe what my boss did. He just blessed me. said, Lord, bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. The truth of you, most of you are faithful because you're getting paid. Many people that you consider faithful, always delivering goods on time. 
It's not because they want to do it. It's because you're paying them on time. That's why they're delivering the service on time. Something is motivating them. So when it comes to finances, when you want to do things, never be place yourself in a position where you want to change the gospel to suit you. But always allow the gospel to change you. So when it comes to finances, we need a lot of teaching in the body of Christ. Because people don't know the truth. God is not even so much interested in how much you give. But the way that you give it means your attitude towards that. The truth is God has got all the resources in the world available. And He's got a world that's in need. People that are in need. That He wants to demonstrate His love to them. You know, we as Christians are battling just to bless other Christians and help them. Where God wants to take us to a next level where we will come and see a Muslim begging on the street and saying, Brother, let me just, the child that you, is holding you here, yeah. let me put him in school and let me provide for you as well. But the Bible says charity begins at home, the household of faith. So we're not even getting over that hurdle. So how can we really let our light shine out there? Maybe I've challenged some of you now. So God has anointed you with a purpose and with a reason to be successful. Exodus 31 verse 1. When God has a vision and He calls a person, He'll always empower that person to accomplish His assignment. So look here, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels, for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. I want to submit to you that which you can do so easily. God has gifted you with that gift. God has anointed you to do it. So never think it's me. I'm the great one. That which comes easy for you. Is your anointing. Because God has given you the wisdom, the insight, and the understanding. God empowered these people with these gifts and skills. Because there was an assignment in the kingdom of God. The problem that we have today in the churches. God empowers people, anoints them. And now they want to use the anointing just for themselves. When God empowers you, anoints you, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. What have you done this week? To advance the kingdom of God. You know what a terrible sin it is. When God anoints us and we use the anointing for ourselves. Because that outpouring of the Holy Spirit cost Jesus Christ his life. Christ had to be crucified before the Holy Spirit could be poured out. And then people want to use the anointing. The word of God to manipulate God's people to get finances to themselves. Not understanding that when those finances come, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. You know, if he has all the resources in the world, in his hand, because everything belongs to him, here is a dying world in need of whatever, let's say food or whatever. God has made a decision to make use of man. He's given man authority. Can you see why you have to be faithful in the marketplace? Why you have to be faithful with finances? Because now God is giving this finances into your hand to be a good steward. Not just to enrich yourself, but to be a blessing. Remember what you are confessing every Sunday? I'm blessed to be a blessing. It means the resource that comes into your hand, yes, God wants to bless you as well. But that blessing is also there to bless others. 
And if people don't understand, they think it's just for me. So God has anointed you. The Bible says 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Christ has placed His Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Christ's Spirit knows all things. The anointing is not there just for your own benefit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to declare to people that the year of Jubilee has come. The Bible says in 1 John 2 verse 20, you have an anointing on the inside. You have the Holy Spirit, an anointing on the inside. The problem is not the presence of God, the gift of God. The challenge that we have is to maintain that gift. Remember I shared with you David, the same anointing that killed the lion, was the same anointing that killed the bear, was the same anointing that killed Goliath. What did David pray when he sinned? Do not let your spirit depart from me. Because he knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit who was a giant slayer. So the thing was not to slay the lion or the bear. Because he had the gift, he had God's presence. The thing to, was to maintain it. What is your strength? What is the anointing that God has given you? So you know what? Let me give you one of the keys to maintain the anointing. Psalm 92 says, Number one, you have to be righteous. Let's go to Psalm 92 verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So number one, keep your position of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. You cannot work for it. He who knew no sin became sin so that you can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Do you want to maintain the anointing upon your life? The church is the reservoir of God's power. If you don't do anything else, just make sure that you're in church on a Sunday, a living church. Then you'll flourish. Because here you'll hear the truth, you'll hear the word of God. Verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in an old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. In other words, they'll be able to maintain it. Year in and year out. Verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. The challenges that happens when God blesses a person, somehow suddenly He doesn't know where He fits into the body of Christ. He thinks now because I've made some money, I'm promoted to a higher level. You know why? Because people connect their spirituality to finances. That's what they do. So they think the more money they've got, the more spiritual they are. If you have more money, you will have to become more spiritual. You'll have to pray more to ask God for more guidance. Go to Ephesians 4, verse 11. Do you know why I'm teaching this? Because there's a relationship between kings and priests. Where a priest brings a vision, the king brings the provision. It means there's a relationship between us. You need my strength, and I need your strength. The Bible says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Whose responsibility is the work of the ministry? If we read the scripture, the Bible says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, some to be pastors, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the 
ministry. Who's out in the marketplace every day? The saints. That's why we have to equip you so that you know how to use this anointing, this empowerment that God has given you in the marketplace. Most of you are just praying to get out of the marketplace while God has placed you in the marketplace. Lord, just, Pastor, you just pray for me that, that I can just find a Christian boss. No. You know what? If you take a piece of phosphor and you place it next to a light, it doesn't shine. But as soon as you take that and you place it in darkness, then it shines. God has placed us there so that your light can shine. So we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know why God has placed you there in the world? Because He's not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Nowhere does the Bible give us instruction to judge the world. What's the first thing we want to judge people in the world? You know where the Bible says you, you can judge something in the church? That's the truth. The Bible says don't judge the people in the world. Yeah, in the church you judge. But this is what you are doing here. Let's see if it's right or wrong. What does the Bible say? Okay, now your actions are not right. You have to forgive this brother. You don't have a choice. As Christ forgave you, you forgive the person. No, but you don't know how he offended me. I don't care how he offended you. Christ has forgiven you. As Christ has forgiven you, do you know how you've offended Christ? This person has done this one thing compared to everything that you've done. And Christ has forgiven you of everything. Forgive the person. A person in the world, how can you judge a sinner? A sinner is a sinner because he's sinning. Love them. Show them the better way. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful potting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. How many people, how many pastors do you think have seen this in their lives? Where every member finds its rightful place, is doing what he's supposed to do, and because he's doing what he's supposed to do, the body edifies itself in love. Not the pastor standing here edifying you. You edify yourself because you are doing what you are called to do. Everything that God has made is linked to one another. My hand needs my arm. My arm needs my elbow. My elbow needs my shoulder. Everything that God has made is linked to something. The Bible says, a man that isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. If I now come here and I say, you know what, I've got this revelation. My hand wants to be on its own. I'm going to cut it off. Cutting it off, I'm putting it there. The hand comes and says, I want to be on my own. Why would you? Your own reason. Your own personal reason. I don't have, I'm not saying it. The Bible says that. What's the first thing that people do when they get offended? They isolate themselves. They draw back. It's not Christ's spirit. This anointing helps us to work together. This kind of faith, to know that this is my brother, it works through love. That's the mortar that joins us together that I can find my rightful place. Like he needs me, I need him. You know, if I come in here now and I say, okay, I'm going to preach now. And now my eyes say, we're closing ourselves now. You're going to say, pastor, you off your, what's wrong are you? Or my mouth now says, I'm not talking anymore. It's so easy to see it now when you look at the pastor. But some of you are doing it yourself. In many things. What's the first thing people do when they get offended? I'm not going to give my tithe anymore. Who are you spiting? 
I don't have the ability nor the power to bless your finances. God is the one who blesses your finances. So find your rightful place in what God has called you to do. Everybody has a strength. It's got something to give. You that are called in the marketplace that God wants to bless financially, bless to be a blessing. You have to ask God for the gift of discernment to see where that finances is coming from. Because that blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. But the blessing of this world, of the devil, will always have a condition to trap you and to keep you back. You know, the question that you should ask yourself, if you want to maintain that blessing that you want, are you ready to pray and say, Lord, cleanse me before you bless me? Jesus said to his disciples in the book of Acts 1 verse 8, Wait until you've received power. When you receive that power, don't stay here. Go to Jerusalem, go to Samaria, go to the furthest parts. If you go read the book of Acts, the majority of the miracles that took place, took place either in the street or in the marketplace. Old Testament, people came to the temple. New Testament, God has empowered us to go into the marketplace. Why do you want to run away from the marketplace? You know what's the challenge? You find four different kinds of Christians. First is the Christian in the marketplace. He's a believer. But he's there. He actually thinks the marketplace is evil and everybody around him is evil. I've shared with you where God shared with me a long time ago and showed me a vision. Where he saw a golden crown on every person's head. I first saw it in the church and then I looked and I saw in the world a golden crown. I said, but Lord, that's not the truth. I said, those are people in the world. We in the church, we have the golden crown. We are the king's kids. And the Lord said to me, it's not true. I've also died for them. They are king's kids. They just don't know it. They're in ignorance. They're in darkness. So now you treat them like the devil. While God looks at them and he sees his image in them. He looks at them and he knows his thoughts that he has towards them. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. So those first Christians think that the marketplace is a place of evil. Think the people are evil. Just hoping they can get out of there go work for a Christian boss. No. Let your light shine. The second you, you get Christians that apply the word of God in their lives. They apply the principles and they pray in everything. But they, they've got a mindset where they think the marketplace cannot change. So they've got like an attitude, it's a draw. I'm going to keep my solid ground, but they're keeping their solid ground. I cannot advance. But God has given us instruction to advance. These Christians are usually a lot of uh, high maintenance. You know, if your boss is not saved, why do you think stories like Joseph is in the Bible? Do you think Joseph's boss was saved? Daniel, do you think Daniel's boss was saved? Who influenced who? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, he gave instruction to the people, do whatever he commands you to do. Why? Because he saw a different spirit in that man. The problem is most of you are giving your boss a lip, are back-chatting him. And the Bible says don't back-chat. It's not part of a Christian's character or nature. It's over you for a reason. That authority comes from God. Yes, even if God has anointed you like David, and you're going to be the greatest king, and you've killed the lion, the bear, and the giant. What did David say? He said, Saul is God's anointed one. At that stage, God's presence had departed from Saul. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. So you know what? Then ask God for the grace to work harder. So many of you, through your lip and your back chatting, have been putting yourself back for promotion. You don't have the right to discuss your boss, to give him a hard time, do your work. This that you've been anointed to do, this gift, this ability. When they had to build the temple, do the engravings, the gold moldings and everything. They were not sitting discussing the 
Can you believe it? I've now been anointed to do all of this. I've now got the spirit of wisdom. Everybody is sitting now, and I'm the one doing it. Then you get those in the marketplace. They apply the word of God. They go out and they say, I can make a difference. I can impact. The light on the inside of me is greater than the darkness. You know what the problem is? You think the curse is greater than the blessing. The blessing is greater than the curse. And then you have people that believe with all their hearts. They cannot only change their, their, their marketplace where they are, but they believe they can change a whole community. Amen. A whole environment by living it, declaring it, being different. You know, people should be saying about Christians, I want that person in that position because he's a hard worker. He's got somebody, something from higher on is helping him, strengthening, enabling him to do much more than the others. And he never complains. Then you're anointed for business. If you're complaining the whole time, you should ask yourself, am I really anointed, empowered to do this? You know, there's, there, there, there was a person that was appointed into a, a position. And I visited somebody and they said to me, I don't know how this person got this position. Because at the highest level, it was rejected. But it's somehow as if something, a higher hand, is helping and assisting this person and put him in this position. And a lot of them were not even Christians, but they were acknowledging there was a higher hand helping him. And I can tell you, we were praying, we were trusting God to open doors. It was a prophetic word that was spoken. So I want to encourage you, find a living church. If God has called you into business, you need that spiritual guidance. The king and priest relationship. So that you can excel and remain in God's ways. So what happens is the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal the land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. Oftentimes, God starts blessing a person. He starts walking in the anointing. And somehow, like I've said to you, temptation comes. Deception comes. And a person can make a mistake. And suddenly you find yourself, the heavens being closed. God says, humble yourself and I will restore. So the big thing is, is to walk in righteousness. Amen. We've had so much preaching in the church where we've told people, God wants to bless you, but what's been imparted has been covetousness, greediness. I want more. I've told you, to give, the motivation to get is never the reason to give. If you give to get, you are training your heart to covet, to be greedy. Yes. You're setting yourself up for failure. That's never the motivation to give. The motivation to give is so that you can give more. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 9, But people who desire to become rich usually fall into temptation and booby traps and set up for them because they begin to do all kinds of wrong things to get money. These things hurt them, make them evil-minded and finally send them to hell itself. For the love of money is the first step towards all kinds of sin. Some people have even turned away from God because for their love for it. And as a result, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, causing great pain. But you, man of God, flee from all these evil things and pursue righteousness, holiness, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith by staying faithful to God. So money is not evil, but the love of money. 
Did you see that first part? This, I'm reading from the Message Bible. But people who desire to become rich usually fall into temptation and booby traps set up for them because they begin to do all kinds of wrong things to get money. They don't look where that money is coming from. So I want to quickly touch and look at how money can get to you. Because sometimes people just make mistakes. People make mistakes. They're ignorant. Or they've been trained wrong by a Christian. They think because it's an elderly Christian, they can just listen what he's doing. If what he's doing does not line up with the Word of God, don't step into that booby trap. So how can money get to you? Many people start off right, and then they violate certain spiritual laws. You know that the Bible says, by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. The Bible says, by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. That means if you go out and commit adultery, you've got a spiritual law working against yourself. This is why many times you see people become very successful, extremely blessed. They're on top of the world, the center of their own world. They have so much money, they think they can do what they want. And now they're unfaithful to their wives, the one who was with them the whole time. And then suddenly you see that business just do that. And you can tell stories like that. You know what's another thing? The sin of presumption, Psalm 19. The sin of presumption. Psalm 19 verse 13. The sin of presumption. Don't think you can do any and everything. Not everybody can do everything. We cannot save ourselves, but we can destroy ourselves. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Presumptuous sin. Presuming you can just do it. So let's see how money can get to you. The first way money can get to you is you can steal it. That's a no-no. Amen? Stealing is wrong. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 28, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So stealing is wrong. Amen? You may not steal. Whether you're stealing from your company, whether you're stealing from a private individual, whether you're stealing from somebody that is rich, whether you're stealing from somebody that's poor. To steal is wrong. So you may not steal. Because what we want to do is we want to maintain this anointing in our lives to be successful, to be a blessing. You know, as a, as a little boy, my hero was Arsène Lupin. Who of you remember Arsène Lupin? But Arsène Lupin was a thief who stole, but then he helped people. So he was doing a good deed. That's also not a motivation to steal. Sometimes our hearts will deceive us and say, but at least I'm doing good. At least the money that I've stolen, I'm going to tithe on it. So he gives us instruction to quit stealing. In other words, killing, stealing and destroying is the spirit of Satan. Christ has come to give us life and life in abundance. To bless the work of your hands. So everything you put your hands to will be blessed. Because that anointing rests upon you. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 23 verse 14. The next way that money can come to you is you capitalize on others' weaknesses for self-gain. So you may not capitalize on other people's weaknesses for your own gain. Verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. You may not capitalize on another person's weakness to enrich yourself. When it comes to widows, be very, very careful to take advantage of them. Go read what the Bible says who you should give to. Don't capitalize on people's weaknesses. I'll never forget a friend of mine. 
when he listed a company, he was buying over companies. And he was looking at the figures of this one company and he said, okay, the realistic value of the company was say, I think it was, a, say, let's use a figure, say it was a million rand, was the realistic value of this company. But because he's very clever with figures, as he looked at the figures, what was going on in the company, he realized that if he offered these people 500 or 600,000 in the situation that they were in, they would have to accept it. And he said he could remember, and he was a righteous man, he said, I could remember when I walked into that office and I met with the father and the son. I said, I could see the fear in their eyes. He said, and I looked at them and I said to him, I'm offering you a million rand. And he said he could see the relief. He said, I did the right thing. He could have. He didn't capitalize on their weakness and their situation that they find themselves in. Being righteous in the marketplace. Told me another story where he bought a company from an elderly gentleman. The guy can do the business, but he doesn't understand figures. So he sold the company for a big amount, and there was a loan amount, a very big loan amount in the company. And the contract, this is a cum laude law student. He did the contract himself. The loan account belonged to him on paper. He said he sold the company. He sent these directors down. They signed the paperwork. They came back. Three months later, the elderly gentleman phones him and said to him, Listen, where's my loan account? He says, the loan account? He says, just give me a second. I just want to consult with some people, then I'll get back to you what's happening here. Now, on paper, he knows that loan account is mine. And I'm talking about a few million rand. He called the guys and he says, please come here, gentlemen. Is there any, any portion, percentage, 1% that this gentleman thought that the loan account belonged to him? He says, don't answer me. Go think about it and come back. They came back. They said, yes, there might be a percentage that he thought it can belong to him. He said, thank you very much transferred the money to the guy on paper the guy would lose the court case your conscience before god is more important than anything never let your conscience become dull because then you'll start to make wrong decisions doctors that's doing unnecessary procedures is gain that they're getting for themselves that they shouldn't it's wrong dealing with drugs cannot do that complicated business procedures is another word for a bribe. You know, we're not bribing people, so we give it new names. You know, when people are sinning, and they don't like you saying that they are sinning, they give that sin a new name. Say, brother, you cannot have three wives. You're committing adultery. No, I'm not committing adultery. I'm just in a relationship, a polygamy relationship, brother. You're confusing it. So the Bible says in Ezekiel 22 verse 13, Behold, brethren, I've struck my hands together at your dishonest gain, which you have made, and at the blood which has been in the midst of you. Dishonest gain is not on. It is said that if you knew exactly how a person made all his money, and exactly knew how he spent his money, you would not need to know anything else about the person to know his true character and to describe his spiritual qualities. The third way that you can get money to you, you can gamble. So for something to be gambled, there's three things that need to be present. There must be first an artificial risk that's been created. In other words, there's a risk in your life that's never been there before. So there needs to be an artificial risk, a risk that was not in your life previously that's now suddenly in your life. The second thing is you must place yourself in a position where you can get gain without working for it. So something is going to come into your pocket at the cost of somebody else. So you may not gamble. Why is it so wrong to gamble? 
Because you put your faith, your trust, your hope in something other than God. So when you see gain at somebody else's expense, then you know, I'm moving in the wrong direction. And when you seek to get something for nothing. So, you know, I've, I've, I've heard some people say, you know, brother, it's okay, you can, you can gamble as long as you, when you win, you just tithe on it. We are busy teaching you how to maintain the anointing of God in your life. So stay away from gambling. It's not good for you. It's not healthy for you. Why is it wrong? Because you violate the principle loving God, loving people. Stay away from that. Okay, the fourth reason. Are you ready? Let's go to Romans 13 verse 8. Abraham Lincoln said, You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. You cannot establish security on borrowed money. The Bible says in Romans 13 verse 8 that keep out of debt and owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor who practices loving others has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow man meeting all its requirements. So when you owe money to the bank, you've got a contract. So as long as you perform according to that contract, that is fine. But if you stop paying it, then it becomes debt. The whole idea with making debt is not to see how much debt you can make. Amen? That's not the goal, to see how much. You should have a plan how quickly you can pay off all your debt. Amen? Amen. You should have a plan. The idea is not to see how much debt you can make. If your outflow exceeds your inflow, your upkeep will be your downfall. This is one of the reasons why people cannot give into the kingdom of God the way they should and the way they want to is because they are trapped in debt. So, if you have debt, don't feel condemned. Go and find a plate. Ask God for a solution how to get out of it. Amen. Maybe we'll have to teach on that. But if you've got a lot of debt, start by paying off the smallest one as quick as possible. Then you take the smallest amount and you add that to the next smallest one. Don't say, I've got extra money now I can do it. And start paying off your debt as soon as possible. You should have a plan to get out of debt. Don't see how much debt you can make. So that is the fourth one. The fifth one, you can make investments. You can make an investment. Matthew 25 verse 26, the Bible says, But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy and idle servant, did you indeed know that I reap where I have not sowed and gather grain where I have not winnowed? Then you should have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received what was my own in interest. So you can make investments, make good investments. Amen. Don't invest in pyramid schemes. Don't you the person that you say, stay away from pyramid schemes. It's in the same way the people on the top, they gain, while people at the bottom, they lose. You have to work, do your part in life. It must be right and righteous, morally sound, and socially useful. And we sometimes do crazy things as Christians. That's why we're telling you the truth. No investment is worth the soul or friendship of anybody. The sixth way that you can earn money or money can come to you is through inheritance. You can inherit some money. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 verse 22, The inheritance of the good man is handed down to his children's children. Proverbs 19 verse 14 says, House and riches are the inheritance from fathers, but a wise understanding and prudent wife is from the Lord. So this is a good, honest way to receive money, but it often causes a lot of problems in families. 
inheritance. Amen. But it's a good way to get money. To leave houses for your children to be a blessing to them. Amen. We can trust the Lord with the Davidic covenant that the Lord can place you in that position. The last one, let me share. Work. Most of your money should come to you this way. Turn to the person next to you and say, most of your money should come to you this way. So turn to the person next to you and say, you should work. Proverbs 23 verse 4 says, Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. See. So the Bible says, don't overwork. It's not just work, work, work. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, Don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. And now we're getting reports that a bunch of lazy, good-for-nothings are taking advantage of you. This must not be tolerated. We command them to get to work immediately. No excuses, no arguments, and earn their own keep. God blesses the work of our hands. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Let me give you some advice. The best two hands to get the job done is the two hands at the end of your own arms. You know how to do it best, so do it. God will bless the work of your hands. There are many things, many transactions, many deals, many contracts. Nobody else will be able to do it because God has given you that assignment. If you go into that meeting and your hands touch it, it will be blessed, it will happen. If you send somebody else to do it, nothing would come of it. God will place faithful people around you. You can work with a faithful team where you find yourself. But there are certain things you'll just know in your heart. I'm the one that should do this. If I don't go and present this, nothing will come of it. Because that grace, that assignment has been given to you. Amen. Don't do the person that you say, be a hard worker. Proverbs 10 verse 26 says, A lazy employee will give you nothing but trouble. It's vinegar in the mouth, smoke in the eyes. Proverbs 18 verse 9, Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. So be a hard worker. You know what? Laziness is an attitude. It's an attitude. You see it when somebody is lazy. Ecclesiastes 3 from verse 14 to 15. The word of God says that God will require an account. Verse 15. God requires an account of what is past. This anointing, these gifts, these talents that God has given you. It will require an account. And if you've been faithful, more will be submitted and committed unto you. To rule over cities. Can you see the importance to be faithful? To maintain this anointing? It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. You know, Job, what he went through. Maybe you're going through a similar thing as what Job went through. Job went through it once. Our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified once. That which you are going through now, I declare to you. You're going through it once. Job, in that situation, kept his solid front. In the good times, he was saying, Jesus is Lord. But when he went through the hard times, he was also saying, Jesus is Lord. His wife gave him advice and said, curse God and die. And he said, wife, how can I do this? If you go read the book of James, we see what the Bible says. We know the end intended by the Lord was to prosper him, was to be merciful to him. We can see in the word of God, if you read the last chapter, verse 42, you'll see God restored back double into his life. I want to encourage you. Don't be desperate that you take on things which is not of the Lord. 
Remain righteous. Keep on doing the right thing. If you sow righteous seeds, you'll have a righteous harvest. Amen. Amen. See you later.